0: Sacred Soundings. Sacred music, inspiring stories, and reflections to deepen your faith beyond measure. I'm Matt Romano, your host for Sacred Soundings, on listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, and streaming live on StGabrielRadio.com. Loyola Press calls St. Anthony of Padua, one of the most loved friends in Heaven. In solid support of that tribute... Statues of St. Anthony appear not only in Catholic churches, chapels, cathedrals, and homes, but also in the churches of many other Christian denominations around the world, as well as in the mosques of Muslims, the Mandirs of Hindus, and the viharas and Pagodas of Buddhists. Anthony was one of the most quickly canonized saints in church history. In fact, he was both beatified and canonized by Pope Gregory IX on the same day and less than a year after his death. He was born in 1195 in Lisbon, which is now in Portugal, but at the time was part of Spain. His parents, Martino and Teresa de Bouillon, were noble, wealthy, and very devout Catholics. They named their son Fernando at baptism, and he was known by that name for many years before changing it. We'll call him by his given name and switch to his chosen name when appropriate. Fernando was heir to a noble title and great wealth, so a comfortable, carefree adult life of ease awaited him. But at age 15, he gave up his inheritance and entered the Augustinian religious order to live a life of solitude and service to God in a monastery on the outskirts of Lisbon. Nine months later, after completing intensive studies of Latin, philosophy, theology, sacred scripture, and the church fathers, at the Abbey of the Holy Cross in Coimbra, the capital of Portugal, he was ordained a priest. It was clear to all who taught Fernando, or studied with him, that he was gifted with a brilliant mind and a phenomenal memory. Yet despite his keen intellect and enjoyment of scholarship, Fernando had long felt an affinity for the Franciscan order, with his commitment to poverty, humility, charity, and preaching of the gospel. He also admired the founder of the Franciscans, St. Francis of Assisi, born 13 years before him. Very soon after Fernando's ordination, Divine Providence brought both the Augustinian and Franciscan orders together for an event that would change his vocation, change his country of residence, change the scope and impact of his priesthood, and change his name. The Lord, and sweet Jesus, by the men and boys of the Schola Gregoriana Mediolanensis of Rome. After his ordination, Fernando was appointed guestmaster of the Abbey of the Holy Cross. His duties, of course, included welcoming visitors. One day two Franciscan friars from a small hermitage recently established near Coimbra came to the Abbey door to beg for alms. Fernando gave them a warm welcome and, no doubt, generous alms. In fact, he was so exhilarated at meeting and speaking with these Franciscans that he felt a longing to join them. His longing intensified some months later when the bodies of five of the Franciscan friars who had occupied the hermitage came back from Morocco. All five had paid the price for preaching Jesus. They had been martyred, tortured, and beheaded and now, in the presence of the queen and an enormous crowd, the remains were carried in solemn procession to the abbey of the Holy Cross for burial. Their fate stirred Fernando to bold action. He persuaded the remaining friars at the hermitage to let him don their Franciscan habit so he could go to the land of the Muslims and carry on the martyred Franciscan's mission. Then he obtained permission from his prior to leave the Augustinian order so he could become a Franciscan. That's when he changed his name. The chapel of the Franciscan's Hermitage was dedicated to St. Anthony the Great. On becoming a member of the Hermitage, Fernando took the name Anthony in honor of that colossal saint who earned the epithet, The Great, as the father and founder of universal Christian monasticism. Keeping his promise, Anthony sailed to Morocco to preach the gospel. But soon after arriving, he became seriously ill and remained grievously weak for several months. Finally realizing he couldn't overcome the illness, he boarded a ship to return to Portugal. The storms and high winds drove the ship off course and carried it east across the Mediterranean. Months later, Anthony arrived on the coast of Sicily. Sacred Banquet, and Have Mercy on Me, O God, by the Religious Choral Works Choir, Cantores in Ecclesia. You're listening to Sacred Soundings, a production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. From Sicily, Anthony made his way to Tuscany. There he met the Franciscan provincial friars living in the region of Rome, Father Graziano, and asked the priest to assign him to a place where he could live in solitude and penance. Father Graziano needed a priest for the hermitage at Monte Paolo, so he sent Anthony there, that he might say mass for the lay brothers. There, too, he had access to a cell in a nearby cave where he could pray, meditate, and study. Many at the hermitage thought that this is where Anthony would spend the final days of his life. But, as one historian put it, the hidden jewel was soon to appear in all its brilliance. In the nearby city of Forley, Anthony attended an ordination of both Franciscan brothers from his own hermitage and Dominican brothers from other locations. Naturally, an inspiring homily was expected at this special occasion, but just before the ordination ceremony began, something essential to the homily was found missing. The homilist. It seems an item had been left undiscussed, since the Dominicans were renowned preachers the Franciscans assumed that a Dominican would preach. And since the Franciscans were hosting the event, the Dominicans figured a Franciscan would do the honors. Finding himself in an embarrassing quandary, Father Graziano, host of the event, began asking his friars to preach, but each in turn refused, either for not having time to prepare or simply not feeling equal to the task. Up to this point, no one at the hermitage knew that Anthony beyond being an ordained priest, had a remarkable knowledge of Scripture and a profound understanding of theology. Father Graziano, thinking Anthony had at least read his breviary and his missal and could probably muddle through, asked him to preach the homily. Anthony humbly and politely refused, but his superior, in sheer desperation, entreated him, saying, It doesn't have to be profound. Just say whatever words the Holy Spirit puts in your mouth. Once more, Anthony refused, but when the time came, feeling compassion for his mortified superior, he slowly got up, walked to the pulpit, and began to speak, his voice warming as the spirit set his heart afire. His homily left his listeners stunned and astonished, transfixed and transported by religious thoughts and feelings they had never before experienced. That ordination event transformed Anthony's hidden life of prayer and penance into the fast-paced life of a renowned and a supremely gifted public speaker, everywhere in demand. Once his talents were exposed, Father Graziano reassigned Anthony to preach in the Franciscan province based in Bologna, where he soon came to the attention of Francis of Assisi. The two met and instantly felt a close kinship. Soon after their meeting, Francis entrusted to Anthony's care the studies of all Franciscan friars, including Any Seeking ordination. About this time, Anthony earned lasting fame as a helper in finding lost articles. He had a book of psalms that was valuable to him, not only because it was hand-printed and costly, but also because it contained notes and comments he had made to assist him with all the classes he was teaching. A young novice who decided to leave the Franciscan community stole Anthony's book before departing. Sad and deeply hurt, Anthony prayed that God would change the young man's heart and bring him back to Franciscan life. The next day, the young man did return, tired and ashamed, with Anthony's book. He also brought back his own gifts and talents, which he decided once more to offer to the Franciscan community. This is the day the Lord has made and Savior of the world by the London Oratory Scaldic Boys Choir. Anthony and Padua loved one another. In and around Padua he gave the greatest number and most powerful of his sermons. Whenever he spoke, multitudes of as many as 30,000 people gathered. Churches couldn't contain the throngs, so Anthony went into the piazzas and open fields where people waited all night to hear him. Young and old, rich and poor, intellectual and uneducated, loved what Anthony gave them. As one church historian observed, people wanted more than eloquent speeches, they wanted genuineness of gospel living, and in Anthony they found it. They were moved as much by who he was as by what he said. Having expended a great deal of energy during the Lent of 1231, Anthony was exhausted. While visiting a small town a few miles from his priory, he sensed death drawing near, and he wanted to take his dying breath in his beloved Padua. The journey in a wagon so weakened him, however, that he had to stop at the village of arcella There he blessed Padua from a distance, as Francis had blessed Assisi. Antony then received the last sacraments and sang and prayed with the friars there. When one of them asked him, What he was staring at so intently, he answered, I see my Lord. A moment later, he died in peace. As an epitaph for St. Anthony of Padua, the words of an anonymous Catholic hagiographer would be hard to beat. He said of Anthony, The man whom people all over the world honor as the finder of lost objects found himself, by losing himself totally, to the providence of God. I'm Al Romano, your host for Sacred Soundings, airing every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and at 2.30 and 9 p.m. on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio.